The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm John Janetta. I'll be your host today, and I'm bringing you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa. And today we're going to be talking about a global perspective on leadership development. To help us have our conversation, we have with us my co-host for today, Linda Schub, who's the founder and senior consultant with Organization Effectiveness Consultants in San Diego, California, and our very special guest, Natalia Dombrovskaya, Senior Program Officer at the American Councils for International Education in Washington, D.C., We invite each of you in our listening audience to join in our conversation by either emailing questions or feedback to me at jjanetta, that's J-J-E-A-N-E-T-T-A, at Heartland Family Service and Services Singular dot org, or by calling 1-866-472-5790. So thanks so much for joining our show today, Natalia, or should I say Natasha? Um, Of course, we 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 posted a brief uh, description of who you are on the website, but perhaps we could get started by just having you share a little bit about who you are and how you started working in the international nonprofit sector. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. I will probably start with uh, a little, talking a little bit about my organization because my life for the last 20 years was connected with the organization. Uh-huh. American Councils for International Education, actually it was American Councils at that time, was founded in 1974 is uh, an association for area and language professional. Some consortium of colleges, universities, and schools to advance academic and educational dialogue between the United States and Soviet Union in the areas of research, training, publications. And since then, American Councils has developed into one of the best American education and international training organizations a leader in international education, and I believe this image perfectly illustrates the topic of our today's show, Leadership Really Matters. Uh And the mission of our organization uh, is to build a world of globally competent citizens, successful institutions, and responsible nations. You see, it's Beautiful. And uh, as an organization, we create opportunities um, that prepare individuals and institutions to succeed in this um, increasingly interconnected world. And um, our expertise focuses on academic exchange, professional training, distance learning, 
curriculum in the test development, research, evaluation, institution building. We do so many things. You just name it. And um, a little bit of statistics to show you um, how we operate. Uh, we administer more than 30 exchange and training programs, including U.S. government programs and non-U.S. national fellowship programs. Uh, we support more than 5,000 students, faculty, researchers, and professionals annually in over of 250 unique programs in Africa, South and East Asia, Eurasia, the Middle East, South and North America. And we have a net of more than 30,000 alumni worldwide. And this includes government leaders, top international educators, business innovators, public officials, and etc. And we maintain our commitment to the teaching of the Russian language. Um, we produced more than 100,000 textbooks and educational materials and uh, more than 6,500 Russian language learners registered online. And that was what your organization originally started to do, was it not? Right, right. Yeah. We still maintain that. Uh -huh. And we do have resources to uh, kind of um, achieve all this. We have offices in about 30 countries across southeastern Europe, Eurasia, the Middle East, Asia. And we have about 450 dedicated staff members. And wow. funding comes, yeah, yeah, you know. And, and and our show last week, as you know, we interviewed a couple of people that were here in Omaha involved with the Open World program um, from Ukraine. And um, and Open World is a program that you help to support, correct? And uh, it's your organization's um, – the part that you play is that you're the organization that actually helps select the participants and then brings them here. And then your role specifically, Natasha, is to orient them, right? Right, right. And actually, speaking about numbers – uh, we've brought on on the open world program. We've brought more than nineteen thousand Eurasian leaders since uh, we started, and we started in nineteen ninety nine. So it's more than uh, twelve years of this experience. So can I ask a question, Natasha? Sure. I'm fascinated by how you achieved the early acceptance so that these uh, learning leaders could embark upon this as you were creating this program, even before it had the early success. Um, actually, uh, Open World is just one of the programs we administer at um, American Councils. And um, I would like to talk about um, uh, another program which we started about 20 years ago. Can you imagine this? Um, uh, the program is called Future Leaders Exchange um, Program and or flags like we, like we call it. And, um, uh, you know... Um, 
in 1992, um, as I mentioned, the the organization was created to... um, to keep that education and dialogue between the U.S. and Soviet Union. And uh, uh, a big change happened in 1989 uh, when um, following a summit uh, meeting between then-presidents Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev, American Councils was selected by the State Department to lead the first large-scale high school exchange between the United States and Soviet Union, so-called Presidential High School Exchange Program. And um, since uh, then, uh, we've brought more than 22,000 international high school students to study in the United States. This program um, has been really a life change experience for all the students. And they celebrated um, the 20th anniversary of this program just recently on the Capitol Hill. You know, I'm so glad you brought up the FLEX program, Natasha, because, uh, boy, it was a previous uh, life. It seems like a previous life of mine. I coordinated a FLEX program here in Omaha. We had 15 of the kids here. So I had to find them host families. And then, and and I I was hoping that you'd bring FLEX up because I think it's another component to this that could be interesting to some of our leaders who are working in nonprofit uh, organizations here because the FLEX students, and I'm, I'm assuming that this still is a uh, is a reality, are required to do 50 hours of community service as part of their stay here. They live with the host family, they go to school for the academic year, and they do at least 50 right. hours of uh-huh. all to work. Most of them do way more than 50. And um, so it's an opportunity for agencies all across the country to um, engage these young leaders with their missions and make those connections. And I still keep in contact with nearly all of those young people, although they've been back home in their own countries going to, many of them are finishing um, graduate degrees now and starting off. I mean, it's exciting to watch them as they enter um, their their careers because these people are, you know, they're just brilliant. I think 50,000 uh, students apply every year to, belo- to participate in FLEX. Only 1,200 get selected. Yeah, so that's a, competition. They're, they're, and they're then they, yeah, they grow up and they become facilitators for the Open World Leadership Program. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> they come and help us to kind of manage to administer this program without the facilitators. You mentioned that we bring uh our delegates in um, in the groups of five delegates and one facilitator uh, who actually uh, speaks both languages, language and the language of the native country. And uh, they are actually familiar not just with the language, but with the culture. Mm-hmm. And you know that this cultural experience, sometimes even more important than the language experience, yeah, because it's kind of unite all people in the world um, because we are becoming a global world, probably yes. we have become already. 
You know, before we go to a break, um, Natasha, I just wanted to ask you real quickly a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, I, reading your bio, it says that you have a what's a, a, basically a master's degree in theoretical physics from Odessa State <laughs> University in Ukraine. So you grew up in Ukraine, you got a degree in a pretty advanced science specialty, and now you're doing this work. How did that happen? Um, it happened uh, when uh, the um, in 1992 um, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, those uh, programs started um, being created in the Ukraine, and um, uh, seeing this opportunity for our kids, I uh, decided that I would help. Uh, so I started helping uh, American consuls uh, to open the office in Odessa, and because I was um, working, um, I have been working in education for all my life, so I knew many people in education in Odessa and in Ukraine, so we kind of created the net of um professionals to help American Council start it. Because we see this opportunity, right? It sounds like we're going to a break, Natalia. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you when we get back. Okay, perfect. Um, Thank so you. We'll, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be, when we return, we'll continue to talk with Natasha, and um, we'll focus uh, um, some of our discussion on the challenges and opportunities that, we're seeing, that she's seeing across the world and how they might impact um, nonprofit leaders in the U.S. So please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa, and from Organizational Effectiveness Consultants in San Diego, California. Thank you, co-host Linda Shu, for joining me today. And with us, we have Natasha Dombrovskaya, who is a Senior Program Officer at the American Councils for International Education. So before the break, we were talking about um, the, the organization, um, American Councils, where Natasha has worked for the last 20 years, and a little bit about Natasha herself. And now we thought, you know, it might be interesting just to hear a little bit about, um, from Natasha, um, you know, the work that, you know, over those 20 years, you've had the opportunity to work with emerging new and seasoned leaders from all over the world. Um, you know, and based on that experience, Natasha, what challenges do you hear about from the people that you support in open world and who participate in other programs? And, for example, like I often hear from open world delegates issues around corruption and how do you deal with that. Um, I also hear about issues around taxation and how that um, it forces so many businesses into the shadow economy and without more um, support um, sort of um, in the sunlight, they're not so inclined to give charitably to support the work that they're doing. There are, there, there's not laws that, that sort of, you know, provide incentives for charitable giving. What are some of the challenges that you hear about maybe? I think that uh, one of the biggest challenges um, is actually being a leader in the global world, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, means that you have to have kind of a global mindset, some of cosmopolitan outlook, because you have to know what's going on in the world, what the important events are going, um, what economic and political issues, concerns, hot topics, and, and etc. And you have to have the language skills of foreign languages because you have to understand different cultures, history of different parts of the world, know their leaders. And you have uh, to understand how to work with people in different parts of the world. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And actually, it's a challenge and it's an opportunity because if you are successful in going global, you can reach out to many more people and get greater influence on their lives and actually engage them in your activities. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, with my experience with open world delegates, and this last delegation especially, it seems like the young professionals that I'm meeting um, are much have a much better developed global mindset than younger young professionals I meet here in, Amer- in the United States. For example, the open world delegation we just hosted last week, out of um, the group of five people, all but one could speak English almost fluently. One could speak it fluently. Two were or three could speak it near fluently. 
or, or, or fluently, and uh, one was really close to being fluent. I think if they stayed here for maybe two or three weeks, they'd be there. And then one was um, sort of halfway between, you know, being, you know, basic conversational English and, flu- and fluent. And uh, the longer he was here, the better he got too. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine bringing um, a delegation of, of young professionals here to Ukraine and having any of them being able to speak any Ukrainian, unless, of course, they were from a large communi- Ukrainian community. How do you had- deal with that? Uh yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, the um, participants of all these programs have changed drastically over over these uh, 20 years. And that's actually because um, 20 years ago, American consuls uh, started their activities in Ukraine, Russia, Moldova, all these countries of the former uh, Soviet Union. And... Um, Actually, there were several programs funded by the federal government, so-called Freedom Support Act. Have you heard of it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the FLAGS program was one of those programs uh, funded by that support act and was Muskie program for graduate students and undergraduate exchange and all these opportunities actually opened the world for the citizens of those countries and provided opportunities to learn language and to actually uh, come to the United States to study and do research not just on the federally supported programs but applying to uh, the American universities individually, which was also a great opportunity. And um, American consuls opened and supported a net of educational advising centers around the former Soviet Union countries. And... um, uh, those centers actually provided information on how to apply what um, uh, actually um, papers needed to be selected. They provided training seminars on how to write um, essay. Um, um, and um, so all this contributed to the development of the young generation of Ukrainians. And actually, this is happening in all other countries of the former Soviet Union. And now we work um, um, in some other um, Middle East countries, and we see the same impact. So it's really powerful. How do you yeah. see the American young leaders prepared uh, in comparison when do they go to the Ukraine and uh, do a similar experience? Yeah, we we do have uh, uh, several programs for the Americans uh, going to those countries. Um, uh, as you know, Russian is one of those uh, uh, languages that uh, um, was recognized as very important for the national security. I think we do both. We uh, select, prepare, and conduct programs 
for uh, the um, participants from the those countries, and we select and prepare Americans to go to those countries and study there. And I would say that both are doing great. You know, um, in our organizations, many people are fluent in both languages. I mean, Americans speaking all those languages, Russian, Ukrainian, Armenian, Georgian, um, Arabic, Arabic, so you, I see in uh, my world, I see that the world is um, becoming more and more global. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a hopeful message, uh, Natasha. I don't see it as much here. Um, mostly, I'm thinking of it from you know, um, experiences I've had traveling to Ukraine. I've been to Ukraine a number of times and visiting um, schools and there, um, children um, are taught Ukrainian and Russian, and then also um, other language depending on their interests. And they start it like a kindergarten, and they continue all the way through high school. Now, when they get done, they're not necessarily fluent, but they have a really strong foundation. And then um, if they want to pursue it more when they get to college, then by the time they get through that, they're able to to be at least um, basic conversational, if not better. And here in the United States, it seems like, at least in this part of the world, Midwest, um, most, most of the time, um, foreign language instruction doesn't begin until middle school, oftentimes eighth grade. And then um, it doesn't really get intense until ninth grade. And you can take it all the way through high school if you want to and go on to college. But that's kind of late when you consider that. I've heard linguists say that there's a part of the brain they call the Universal Language Center that actually starts to shut down for business around the age of nine or ten. <laughs> and so I think we, our kids don't start learning language until they're too old. And, then, um, and so they never really get it. They, they, they don't, they have, unless they just have an ear for it, it's difficult to master the accent and to ever really develop native fluency. And it really, I think, puts them at a disadvantage for children in other countries. I mean, it's the same in other parts of Europe when I've traveled there. I remember um, being in, the last time I was in Italy, um, there were signs in the window saying that um, a new law had been passed and that effective on this particular date, all waiters and waitresses must be fluent in English and at least one of these other languages. And they listed German, French, Russian, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I can't, it, I can't even imagine that happening here. They wouldn't be able to hire anybody or very few people. Yeah. You know, I live in Washington, D.C. It's kind of international city, and many international organizations are based here or American organizations who work internationally. Maybe that's why it's kind of my perspective of what's happening. Sure. Yeah, but, you know... Um, I hope, let's hope that uh, what I see now will uh, become become a reality in a few years because more and more uh, Americans travel to that part of the world and they do have that exposure to a foreign language. Many Peace Corps volunteers work there, like... And they uh, uh, they teach English. They kind of contribute in that, sure. and they also learn Ukrainian, Russia. Um, unfortunately, that program uh, was closed in Russia. But uh, um, in Ukraine, there is a great number of uh, Peace Corps volunteers who 
um, are Americans, actually. Our young Americans are joining the Peace Corps in numbers that have not been seen in generations, and that's um, one of the benefits. Our school system does not address the multilingual issues, and I live in a uh, suburban area of Southern California where there's a high Asian population, Uh and every one of the Asian families, you know, the, the majority of the Asian families are bilingual in their homes, teach their kids from birth, and they are... Uh, multilingual, you know, in a variety of their environments. And I think it is a real advantage. And you talk about the skills that future leaders are going to have to have. I think that's a very important lesson for the young American generations who are great on their um, technology in being globalized but not in their interpersonal skills or their own ability to express themselves and their passion and their areas of interest in any other way, you know, or in language that connects uh, globally. So I think that's going to be one of the big challenges. Great. Well, and when we get back, we'll continue uh, talking about those challenges, but it's time to take another break. So um, when we return, we'll, as I said, we'll continue. And so please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa, and from Organizational Effectiveness Consultants in San Diego, California. Thank you, co-host Linda Shu, for joining me today. And with us, we have Natasha Dombrovskaya, Senior Program Officer at the American Councils for International Education. Uh, before we went on the break, we were talking about uh, sort of the difference between how uh, young people in other countries are prepared for developing a global mindset um, versus here in the United States. And um, Natasha's experience living in D.C. was a little bit different than my experience and uh, here in the heartland and um, Linda's experience in Southern California. And so... Um, Perhaps we could just continue talking about some of these challenges and opportunities as well. Um, Natasha, I really, you know, I'm just so um, drawn to to your sort of positive outlook about this. I think that's really exciting. Um, You know, we, um, I had shared with Linda and Natasha um, offline an article that I had found that was um, written by um, some researchers affiliated with uh, Mercer and um, Harvard School of Business. And they had identified in some of these articles what they saw. Now, this was from a business perspective. What they saw is um, some of the key um, competencies that new leaders should be capable of. And, um, you know, one of them, one of the things that they said was that, um, you know, that leaders um, need to be global. They need to understand different cultures. They need to understand how to do business with people in different parts of the world. And, um, and I'm wondering for nonprofit leaders, is that, is that true as well? I believe it's true, yeah, for nonprofit, uh, because you see um, all those problems and challenges um, leaders face these days in our and probably in any other society. It's poverty, it's health issues, education, climate change, probably human rights in some uh, societies. They are too uh, complex to be solved by any single type of organization. So um, some scholars suggest that in order to be successful, we should create some organizational ecosystems that involve nonprofits, for-profits, and government uh, to operate those systems for social impact. And... You see, those leaders from all those sectors have to be involved in this. I actually believe that this model exists, and it's called public-private partnerships. Yes. Uh-huh. So, and if leaders are going from non-profit world and from for-profit world are going to work together, they probably have to have the same set of skills to be successful. It's, it might be, that's a great point. It might be a big challenge um, to figure out how to design um, those systems, how to govern them, 
and there might be some political challenges, but I believe that's what um, what the future has for us. And actually, at the orientational seminars in Washington, D.C., for the Open World Program, we include a session on uh, public-private partnerships, and we talk about this, inviting uh, professionals, specialists, experts from different areas. So it's kind of a panel discussion. Because we truly believe that those partnerships are the core of any society. Only a good partnership, successful partnerships, can help build communities, successful communities, can contribute to development of those communities. So, and the so leaders should be ready for that bright future. <laughs> so, and do you think, um, you know, we were talking before about language as a component to um, global having a global mindset. Do you think that, you know, because I, I think sometimes um, many Americans will say, well, you know, so many other countries are learning English. Do we really need to learn another language? If everyone else is learning English, it's sort of becoming the lingua franca of the world. What are your thoughts? Do you think you think it's important still to learn other languages, even if other people are learning English? Uh, I believe it is important. Language uh, English is becoming uh, the kind of world language. But still, if you want to understand different cultures, you have to learn the language, because sometimes there are very sensitive issues that you can learn only through language. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and in almost every language except English, that's true, and. Um, even in the accents and the inflection, there is different meaning. And I think it's very ethnocentric of our culture to believe that we don't, you know, have to learn more. I speak Spanish almost fluently, almost to the point of doing business in Spanish, um, but only because I grew up with it on a daily basis. And as a small uh, uh, fact, my first job aspiration in high school where I was studying Spanish, French, German, and Hebrew oh my because God. I'm Jewish, and I inquired about being an international interpreter, and they said, in addition to being good at all of that, I would need Russian or Chinese, right. preferably Mandarin. To you know, I think the interesting thing about language, in my experience, is that it, 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 you can study a culture, but when you know the language, or at least you're, you're familiar with it or learning it, um, you start to understand. It's almost like a window to the soul of the culture. Like there's the culture is so embedded in language. And I think if like in Spanish and Linda, you're probably familiar with this. Um, speaking it, that you know, there's two forms. There's two ways to sit, to use the verb to be. One is estar, the other is ser. And you know that you, you use them depending on what you're trying to say because. Estar is usually to describe things that are more temporary, and ser is to describe things that are permanent. So when you talk about someone who is dead, 
uh-huh. to say he is dead, do you say el es muerto, which would be the using the permanent form of the of the verb to be? No, you don't. You use the temporary um, oh. verb. You use el está muerto, and that tells you a lot about the culture that mm-hmm. that you really don't learn any other way. That's true. Well, and Eskimos people who live in that freezing cold snow have 16 words to describe snow. I know two, wet and dry, you know, as ski conditions. But I think that in our businesses, when um, uh, Natasha mentioned earlier, I believe, learning the culture and how to deal with everything from um, bribes to corruption to the meaning of a written contract, um, I've had clients as big as Qualcomm, you know, who is such a straight, values-based organization, try to be asked for bribes, and how does a young leader, I didn't say that well, but they were told by the people of the country they were in that they couldn't close the deal until the bribe was handled, and how does a young leader manage those kinds of situations if they haven't had some experience, understand the language and the code words mm-hmm. for that kind of, you know, situation. It's the same with them. You know, in some cultures, it's customary to to drink alcohol quite a bit as you're doing business transactions or mm, as you're hosting right. guests. And, and if you don't drink or you don't drink much, how do you handle that as a new leader without offending the, the people who are hosting you, who are, who are trying to do everything, you know, right and working so hard to make sure that you're being impressed and you're enjoying yourself, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. You have to know all this to be successful in business and in, in, in actually in anything you are going to, to achieve. I, yeah. I think another thing about learning language is that even if you don't learn it fluently, just that you're trying so often opens up doors and wins people over and makes them want to engage with you because they see that you're trying, and that means so much. So, you know, I started doing some work with um, Ukraine through the U.S. Ukraine Foundation back in 1999, so it's been a long time, and you would think by now I could speak the language or be at least basic conversational, but um, I... Our, I've done most of my work in eastern Ukraine, and so people there primarily speak Russian, but they also speak Ukrainian when they're doing anything official. Uh, many of the folk songs are Ukrainian, so you kind of have to learn both. So I, I kind of pop back and forth, and you know, just being busy with my job and having four kids and doing all those other things, it seems like I, I don't make very much progress. But I do. I find myself understanding more and more every time I go, and people will say to somebody, they'll be talking, and then they'll tell somebody, oh, translate for John, and then the interpreter will say, oh, I don't need to translate. He understands everything. And I have to say, no, 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 no. It, it so much depends on the context. But people, you know, they just really appreciate that I'm trying. I can sing like three or four songs now. They love that. Every time I go, I'm singing them over and over and over again. So I, I, I can't encourage people enough to take the time to learn languages. It's, it's so rewarding. Well, therein lies the value of traveling and living in a home and doing exactly the program, uh, programmatic format. I think that Natasha's describing to us at two levels. One is the younger educational level and one the future leaders. Um, It just seems like it's so rich and so deep with different components. Um, What do you do, Natasha, to then track the uh, 
a career or leadership success of any of these folks? Uh, and we have uh, alumni activities. We have, uh, as I mentioned, um, more than 30,000 alumni um, at American councils, alumni of all programs. And we manage uh, alumni activities for the open world uh, alumni in many of those countries we work with, in many participating countries. It's very interesting to see how they are trying to implement those ideas they learned here in the United States, especially in accountable government. John, you've mentioned that program, Community Connections. We also have um, some uh, component in open world that brings people uh, from Ukraine, let's say, uh, who are um, who work in municipalities. Natasha, I think we have to take a okay. break really quick, but when we get back okay. for our last segment, we'll continue this conversation. Um, so we're going to take a short break, but when we return, we'll talk about um, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about um, the American councils and how our listeners can get involved. So we're looking forward to that, Natasha. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back more okay. with more on leadership matters, informing leaders inspiring solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to leadership matters with dr cheryl g and jenny frumer if you have a question or comment about today's program please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. 
We are back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from Heartland Family Service in Omaha, Nebraska, and Council Bluffs, Iowa, and from Organizational Effectiveness Consultants in San Diego, California. Thank you, co-host Linda Shu, for joining me today. And with us, we have Natasha Dombrovskaya, Senior Program Officer at the American Councils for International Education. Before we went to break, Natasha, you were talking about the work that... Um, um, American Councils does with the alumni to keep them sort of tapped in and to be able to track and see ultimately what kind of impact these programs have. Did you want to finish talking about that? Because I thought that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, just maybe I wanted to mention that having that net of more than three thirty thousand alumni worldwide, and that includes governmental government leaders. Uh, top international educators, business innovators, public officials. You see, we uh, have that power to influence the uh, world in all those countries. And you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting too because I'm aware that, at least with Open World, and I think the same is true with some of these other programs, when the um, when the people return to their countries, they are eligible as alumni to um, compete for grants to implement projects in their communities. Isn't that correct? Um, I would say that it's more true for other uh, governmentally sponsored programs, um, but they try to uh, get funding from uh, some other sources as well, not just from foreign governments. And, you know, sometimes they do find... Uh, organizations and the people who are willing to contribute to those activities. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's changing. It's changing. And there are more volunteers who um, participate in all these activities. So the world uh, has been changing. And um, especially uh, these days, when we have all those um, technological advances, those sophisticated um, um, IT platforms, um, social media like um, Facebook, Twitter, all those um, new innovative tools, um, they provide provide the challenge, actually, because in uh, this fast-changing uh, world, it's uh, very hard to keep up with all those technological advances. But um, at the end, sometimes it complicates our life, but at the same time, it uh, provides some unique opportunities to get connected with um, so many people. We are connected with our alumni through social media. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Natasha, because I was just thinking about that, that while our young people maybe aren't really learning other languages the way that at least the three of us think they ought to be, um, they are having far more opportunities to interact with people from other countries, um, far more than I ever did when I was growing up, um, just because of social media. So they might be interacting with people from who knows what part of the world almost on a given, on a daily basis, depending on uh, who they're friending on Facebook and what kind of games they play, because um, people will join in those multi-player um, games from all over. 
And, you know, I, I know people who have become really good friends with other people that they play certain games with who, who live in Brazil and who live um, in Ukraine or Russia or whatever, and they're, on, they're online playing with them every day. They've never met them, might not even know what they look like, but they've been friends for years playing these games. That's true. That's true. And we and were talking can... about this on the break, too, uh, Natasha, that we've known each other right. for a long time. We've, we've worked together on open world, different pieces of it, um, but we've never actually met. Yeah, unfortunately, but I hope we will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see some of those partnerships happening between the, um, for lack of a better term, religious institutions. So, for example, a Jewish temple here might have a sister temple in the Ukraine, and those are the um, young adults that would visit each other and stay in each other's homes and... Um, that is kind of a different version of a public-private partnership, but it's a um, different exactly. way that I see people connecting up as over and above the social media, but to go back to the live people connection. Exactly, exactly. We've been talking with John that um, as a result of Open World Program, there have been created many um, those sister city partnerships. And uh, once people met um, in person, they go back to their native countries and they continue to work using those social media. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that brings some kind of new twist, new uh, aspect to, um, to actually the challenges that leaders face uh, these days. Like we've been talking that we, uh, we live and work in somewhat virtual world. And um, leaders um, may um, have never um, met with their followers. So and uh, so, this new generation of leaders um, has to learn how to emotionally connect to people. Um, sometimes from different other cultures who have who they have never met, and not just to connect with them, but engage them in actions. So it kind of brings new perspective. Uh, into this global uh, leadership and mm-hmm. requires new skills from uh, leaders. Well, yeah, that's that one way of looking at it, but definitely that connection and that ability to connect, I agree. That, right. um, that same article I referenced earlier, they sort of talked about three categories of skills. One was leading with your head to manage complexity. Another was leading with your heart to manage diversity. And the third was to lead with your guts to manage uncertainty. I thought that was kind of a neat way to look at it. Yeah, um, very Natasha, before uh-huh. we run out, I want to make sure before we run out of time, because I think we only have a couple minutes left, um, Please share with our listeners how they can learn more about American councils and get involved if that's something that they would like to do, whether it's um, as an agency hosting flex students doing their community service or whether it's um, hosting an open world delegation in your community to learn about nonprofit management like I did last week with my open world delegation that was here. Sure, I am happy to provide this information. We have a website. Uh, it's www.com. 
American consoles, one word, plural, then dot O-R-G. Let me repeat it again. It's www.americanconsoles.org. All the information is there about our programs, about educational advising centers, research, publications, um, Everything is there, and uh, we would welcome any visitors to our website. And your offices are located on um, Dupont Circle in Washington, D.C., is that correct? Right. Our office in uh, Washington is located here, uh, but we have offices in almost 30 countries, and it's uh, Egypt. Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Moldova, well, Russia, Serbia, Tajikistan. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natasha. It's time to um, to close our show for today. Thank you so much for being our guest. It was just fascinating. It was great listening to you and hearing your perspectives and learning from your experience. And thank you also, Linda, for co-hosting with me today. This was both a fir- it was the first time for Linda to co-host and the first time for me to host. So we made it through. So uh, thank you for being with us today. Um, please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.